Praise the Lord. All right, so this morning, I'm wanting um, to preach on something I, I just have fun with. And if you recall back at Pentecost, when did Pentecost happen after Easter? Anybody remember how many days? 50. Good job. So we spent some time... We spent some t- if you were in the youth group, we would throw you pieces of candy right now. <laughs> we spent some time at Pentecost talking about the feasts of the Jewish calendar. We talked about the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. These are the springtime feasts of the Jewish people, and they all coincide with, amazingly, the death and the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing how they all coincide. And then 50 days later came the Feast of Pentecost, the feast that happened 50 days after Jesus, and then there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, now everybody that's part of this Pentecostal church better know what happens in Acts chapter 2, right? They were all in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so for the Jewish people, this was a celebration of the giving of the law through Moses. Remember, we said that 50 days after Jesus on Pentecost, Moses gave the law. And we know that the law really brings death. And so now... All these years later, with Jesus, after he dies and rises again, we have the day of Pentecost when not the law is given, but the Holy Spirit, who brings life, right, and power for life. And so all of that was happening with the spring feast. Now, I'm not an expert on these feasts. I've only done a little bit of study, but it's beautiful how we see the Old Testament. You're saying, well, how does this apply to my daily life? The Old Testament is always the foreshadow of Jesus and what he's doing and the Holy Spirit. And so today we just had, and and last week we were in Petersburg at the tent meeting. So if you showed up here, you probably saw the sign on the door. We were at the tent meeting. So because it was an unusual day, we did not celebrate this, but last Sunday was the Feast of Trumpets. And so today I wanted to bring this kind of full circle. It was the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. And so I want us to take a few moments this morning and say, okay, we looked at the spring feast. Now let's take a look at the fall feast because this is, it's both sobering and it's exciting at the same time. And so I'm going to briefly just give you the Old Testament reference in Leviticus chapter 23, where it says that then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, in the seventh month on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest. This could be why I'm so excited about this one. Sabbath rest. A memorial of blowing the trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. I'm like so into that right now. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And so for the Jewish people, this Feast of Trumpets is the beginning of their civil calendar. It's a new year for them. 
And this is the beginning of a month of three feasts total. And so I want us just to kind of walk through them because they both, all of these feasts in this month at the beginning of their year are kind of leading into the next feast, a time of preparation. And so we're going to take that and just say, okay, how does that Old Testament, what is it looking ahead to now? Because that's what we see. The Old Testament is the, the picture of what is to come. And so we're going to take a few minutes and, and look at that. So first of all, the Feast of Trumpets. Now you see here, I saw some of you eyeing this before worship. I was, somebody said I needed a little display-only sign. Anybody know what this is? Shofar, right? Anybody that lived in the day of um, flags and shofars knows what this is. And so this would be similar to something they might blow at the Feast of Trumpets in the Old Testament times. Now, this usually hangs out in our prayer room. And I'll just say, nobody ever, ever, ever is allowed to blow this in a service, ever. If you feel the Holy Spirit anointing of, I need to blow a shofar, you order yourself one and you blow it in your own house. <laughs> This is an amazing sound if you know how to blow it. If you do not, it sounds like something is dying. And so that's why I'm like, none of you, I told Don yet, Don, you're eyeing that. No. <laughs> that that would be something similar, the ram's horn, to what they might blow. And so the beginning of this Feast of Trumpets is marking the beginning of their year. It's the call to the end of the harvest. And so they, they've been in a season of harvest. How many of you are enjoying watching the harvest happening right now out there? I love it. So they've been in their season of harvest, and then they hear the sound of the trumpet throughout the land. And it's the call. The harvest is over. Now we are entering into Sabbath rest. I'm like, yeah, Jesus, Sabbath rest. <sighs> Sounds nice. Anybody else be like, yes, right? I'll take that. The call to the end of harvest and then the beginning of the season of repentance. And so it is this transitional time. And so in all of the temples, they would blow this. And it's the reminder to them to leave the busyness of life and let's turn our hearts inward to what is inside of us and what God is doing in us. And so the trumpet blows the end of harvest. We have a couple of days of rest and the offering of sacrifices. And this begins the 10 days of awe. Everybody say 10 days of awe. What this is leading up to is in 10 days, the day of atonement. And the day of atonement is the one day a year that the priest can enter the Holy of Holies. It's the day of the year when the priest lays his hands on that perfect lamb and transfers the sin of Israel to that lamb who is taken outside of the camp to die. 
It's the picture of the sacrificial lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain for my sin. It is exactly the picture of Jesus and my sin coming upon him. And so the Feast of Trumpets begins the time of preparation for the Day of Atonement. It's a time to look inward and say, are there attitudes I have let come into my life? Is there sin I have been engaged in that I have not dealt with? It's a time of cleansing and purification and renewal. It's a refocusing of priorities to prepare themselves for the Day of Atonement. It's a beautiful, beautiful time. And I think that, you know, the Lord's table calls us to this, right? Communion. It says if you're going to, as often as you do this, do it in memory of me. This is our remembrance of Christ through the bread and the cup. But it forewarns us, doesn't it, to take time to examine yourself before you partake of the cup and the bread. And so in the same way, that's what they were doing. They were examining themselves in preparation for the Day of Atonement. And then we have five days later, the third feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is the, this is the, the day that they set up the booths. Remember at Pentecost, I had the picture of our backyard full of tents. This is the day they set up tents and booths and they live in them. And it's the reminder of the wilderness experience, that God bringing them through the wilderness with Moses. And it's also the foreshadow that we are living very temporal on this earth. We are just traveling through it to our eternal home, okay? And so the Feast of Trumpets is the signal to the beginning of this progression throughout the month. And so what I want us to do today, just for a few moments now, see, I'm not daring. I'm going to have you out early. And you're all going to be like, what? It's Cammie's week to preach. Everybody's going to be at church. <laughs> so next week, Darren, next week, Darren will be here and I will be in Petersburg. You can tell him. Everybody's going to be in Petersburg next week. <laughs> Okay. So what we want to do here for a few moments is to just walk through the call of the trumpets. It's a resounding, if you were to hear this shofar blow in its purity. I mean, anybody ever been in a service where suddenly somebody has blown a shofar? Yeah? So in our last church, we used to have a balcony, and we had a guy that would bring the shofar. And out of nowhere, you would hear him blow the shofar. And finally, we're like, man, you are not allowed to blow the shofar. You cannot bring your shofar to church. And it would go a couple weeks, and before you know it, he would hide it coming into church. And all of a sudden, you would hear the shofar blowing coming from the balcony. And let me just say, no, it was not a pure and beautiful sound. But what does it do? It gets your attention. Everybody in the room could hear the shofar, and if you were sleeping like nobody in the back row here would ever do, <laughs> if you were sleeping, I guarantee you it would wake you up. 
And so the sound of the shofar is a piercing call that must be answered. And so the, 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 the call of the trumpet for the people was, first of all, I said it already, the call that the season of harvest is over. Let's see application to the New Testament. In John, here's what Jesus says in John chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. We are still in a harvest season, aren't we? Jesus said, look, pray for laborers because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. We are in still the season of harvest when we are wanting to see many people come into the kingdom of God and serve him. But there will come a day when that will no longer be the case. And in John chapter 4, Jesus, John chapter 9, Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And, and this is the, the call of the, the feast of the trumpet for us is the call of warning, hey, you are only here in this season of harvest for a time, and then it's over. And so we must be about the Father's business. There's going to come a day when it will be over, and I have this sick feeling that I might just look back and say, why didn't I do more? I'll never forget back when Schindler's List first came out. And, and Schindler's List is intense. If you have seen it, there's a few scenes that aren't great for you to see. But Ford put out a TV version that took out some things. But still you got the picture of intensity. And when, she, when he is trying to rescue Jewish people from the camps, and the last scene of the movie, he was literally buying them to rescue them from the concentration camps. And the last scene is him saying, why didn't I do more? My ring, I could have sold my ring and bought another one. And it just leaves you with this intense, now, we can't live under this kind of condemnation, but there is this sense of urgency of time and of priority. And he recognized in the moment, what are the things that are of value? And it is life. It is the life of people. Everything else is of little value. And having this kind of attitude of Jesus that says, listen, he is our rabbi. He is the one that we follow and become like. And so if this is the heart of our Jesus, whom we are Christ followers of, then when he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, that means I must be working his works. If he says there's coming a night when no one can work, I have to recognize that. If he says, I am the light of the world, how many of you are carriers of the light of Jesus? We are the light of the world, a city on a hill. And so the harvest is going to come to an end. And so we have to embrace the season while we're in the season. Amen? The second call is this call to repentance. 
The call of the trumpet is the call of repentance, the beginning of the days of awe. And I thought of this because Darren just preached a couple of weeks ago on the bride of Christ. You recall being prepared for the return of Christ, that we would be a bride in readiness, not dirty, not torn, not beaten down, but in the glory and righteousness of him. And, and that is what this call of repentance is to. It's saying, I, I, don't, I understand that my forgiveness and self, I am completely justified before Christ, right? His death and resurrection has completely justified me before the Father. However, I'm in this process of continual sanctification, I am in this daily process of becoming more and more like Christ. And I don't always do it right, and sometimes I fail. And so I need to continually be examining my heart and my mind before the Lord. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, if you look at verses 14 through 16, what this really is, is the call to awaken, the call of the trumpet. Just like I said, if, if, if somebody were to blow this right now, you would wake up. And the call of the trumpet is just that. And so in Ephesians 5, it says, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, if you just take this word awake, this is interesting because you, you could say, well, I'm fully awake. I'm pretty alert. Listen to all the categories that this word addresses. To be awake means to rouse from sleep, just from lying down. You don't even have to be fully asleep. You could just be lying down. Disease, death, obscurity. I found this interesting, obscurity. You're saying, I'm trying to hide when God's wanting to call you out to be a beacon of light. Inactivity. Inactivity in the kingdom of God. Ruins. When it feels like, when you've just, everything feels broken and, and you've ceased to pursue his presence and there's an absence now of his presence and life is just left in ruins. I feel like there can be something in me at some point in any one of these areas. I don't have to be fully asleep or fully dead to be awakened. I could be diseased and have just sickness. I'm talking not physical here, but spiritual, right? We're talking spiritual right now. Spiritually diseased. Spiritually asleep. Spiritually dead spiritually inactive in the kingdom. This one word, awake, refers to all of these. And so I would say this isn't the time to say, yeah, I'm awake. And I'd say this is a time to, like, 
write down every one of these, and I would be like, exam to examine means you really look into something, right? And so I would be like, even as I was typing these, I'm like, I need to like spend time in prayer in each one of these areas because I don't want to be caught in any of them. I want to be fully awake, fully alert that Christ might shine on me for we are living in times where we have to walk wise and not unwise. And so this call of repentance is a call to awakening, awakening. And he made sure by the blow of the trumpet that nobody did not hear it, right? They all heard the sound to awaken. And then the last call of the trumpet is the call for the return of Christ. And this is what is leading up. So we just came through the Day of Atonement, and now we are in the Feast of the Tabernacle. And the Feast of the Tabernacle is that transition. It's that it is the Feast of the Pilgrim, really. The, the Israelites were pilgrims through the wilderness until they came to their homeland, the Promised Land. And we are pilgrims through this land until we arrive at our home. And so what can happen is we can get too stuck in thinking this is our home and forget, no, we're a pilgrim right now. I can buy myself a really cool tent for this time because we like really cool tents, right? But it's not so I can live permanently in it. Unless you're her, she might want to live permanently in it. <laughs> No, it's just to get us through. It's a tool, and it's, it is a blessing to us, and we do enjoy the blessings that he gives us on this earth, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying them. I feel like it's pretty obvious from our family that we like to enjoy the beautiful gifts of the Lord, right? And so I don't say any of this in a condemning way, but to remember even in our enjoyment of the blessings of the Lord that it's transitional to the fullness of our home to come. And so I find it interesting that the verses that we read about the return of Christ all are concerning a call of the trumpet. And so just two of them today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 52, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and here it is, the call, the dead will be raised. It's the call to awaken. The dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Praise the Lord. In the twinkling, the trumpet shall sound again, and the dead in Christ will be raised, and we will be with him forever changed. How many are ready to say, I'll shed this earthly body and take on the new one. I'm ready to be transformed, right? 
And so it is that same, see how all, I love how that Old Testament, that call of the trumpet continues to the very end when it signals the end of all ends. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Can you imagine the trumpet of God? I just, what that sound is. I, I feel like it's just going to reverberate through uh, everything. I mean, I've heard some good trumpet players, and we used to have a fantastic one on our team that I miss. And, and there's something about that sound that comes out. And so the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And so again, we see this comes with the call of the trumpet. The call of the trumpet. And so this feast of trumpets is the signal of a beautiful thing a thing of making things right with God that are not right, and hope that this is not all there is in life. But we have this home, and all we have to do is push in a little further, push through the difficulty, push through the pain a little harder, because in the end, in the end, to be forever with the Lord in his presence, face to face we will stand and say it was worth it all. I don't, there, I don't need to say it, I don't think. I know when I'm in that place, I will not be wondering, was it worth it to follow Jesus on earth? Was it worth it to sacrifice? Was it worth it to suffer a little bit? We're not going to be wondering that as we stand face to face, are we? We're going to know, oh, yes, it would have been worth it to do more. That is going to be, I think, what I'm, my perspective in that moment is. And so this morning, what I want you to hear is what has been resounding within the Jewish people at the beginning of their new year just last week. And it's the call of the trumpet. It's a call to awaken things in your life. It's a call to re make things right with the Lord where things need to be made right. It's the call to get a right perspective for where we, where, where we are headed in our eternal home. And so in Isaiah 52, verses 1 through 2, this is a powerful passage that I share with a lot of people and it's talking to Israel, who Israel had followed many other gods and got themselves in a lot of trouble and defiled herself many times by serving other gods. And this was what the prophet said, Awake! Awake! Twice it was repeated. Brianna and I were just having this discussion about repetition. Because, you know, God repeats things a lot for us. Because sometimes it takes a lot to get through here and through here. But he says it twice. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. 
Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. This is what the call of the trumpet is. It's this. It's the call to say, I'm coming out, and I'm coming back into God, and I'm moving forward with God. And this is the thing about our hearts, is that they're very easily deceived, and I am very easily deceived at how I'm doing. I think I'm doing really well because I'm doing a lot of outward religious things when the reality is, is that my heart has grown cold inside. My heart has grown far from him. I've begun to love things more than I love him. And so the call of the trumpet says, get these things back in order again. Get your first love where your first love needs to be. Get refocused on what God wants you to focus. And when that happens, listen, this is not about a a, a God that is beating us down to do these things. The issue is that these things stand in the way of relationship with him. And he wants to enjoy relationship with one another. Israel had been, if you think about covenant, because this is what God does, he makes the covenant with his people like a marriage. Now, in a marriage, if somebody has an affair and breaks the covenant, there, that is something that is keeping the, the husband and the wife from being in relationship, right? And so with God, these things that, that become issues in our life aren't about just following rules, but they can be things that keep us from having a relationship with him. And so we've got to remove those things so that there's no gap in the relationship. There's deeper intimacy with him. There's deeper joy. There's deeper love. And to walk in that kind of relationship is so beautiful and full of joy that the season of repentance and examination, you joyfully, you come to that place. It is a place of joy. It's not a place of condemnation because that has never been what Jesus said he came to do. He never came to condemn us for these things that get in the way. He came to save us from them, right? And so it's never about condemnation. It's about saying, hey, wake up. Come on. I've got something for you. I've got relationship with you I want to have. There's things that I want to do with you and partner with you in. And so wake up so we can do it. I have exciting things I want to partner with you in. But you're sleeping. You're lying down. You're inactive. Wake up. Wake up. It's kind of like when I haven't had my coffee for half of a day. And my poor people that come through for coffee, and I am having trouble getting their coffee order right because I haven't had my coffee. And then I'm like, what is wrong with me? And suddenly I'm like, I need some caffeine. And I drink that coffee, and suddenly it's like a new world. I'm alert. <laughs> I have energy. I'm like, man, why did I wait so long? Now, that's a silly example. But 
Awaken, the Lord says. Awaken. Awaken. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, please. Now, see, it's not even 1130, so we have time to just respond with Jesus. Because I know, I know how hard it is and the busyness of life and raising families and working. I know it's hard to just take time. See, this is the amazing thing about these feasts that the Lord had is that this was part of the rhythm of the Jewish life. Really, another, there's an eighth feast, and that's the weekly feast of the Sabbath when they could not do any work. It was a day of rest. And, and this is just part of the rhythms of their life. Oh, the feast is coming. There's no, the shops are closed. There's not business being done. We are at rest right now. And see, God intended for this rest to be part of the rhythms of our life. But we are Americans, and we run nonstop and don't make room for rest. And I say that knowing I am completely guilty of this. How do you make that happen? I don't always have the answer, but I would say we are here in this moment. You are here in church. And so you have time to just begin this week by taking a few moments of just I was just saying, Lord, we're in the days of awe right now with our Jewish brothers and sisters. And so before I run off to go about my weekly schedule, we're going to just take a few minutes, and the team is going to lead us in a little bit of worship here. And you can stay in your seat. You can come to the altar. But either way, I would say, have you answered, have you heard the call of the trumpet, and have you answered it? Have you heard the call, and do you recognize that this is the, we are still in the season of harvest, and I, we need to make the most of it? I need to be about the Father's business, and I haven't been. Have you heard the call and are responding to examine this is something that is just a proactive decision that we make. I decide I'm going to examine my heart and my life and search it out. And have you heard the call? And do you need to straighten out some priorities where you have kind of forgotten that this is just a temporal home? And I've given more priority to my temporal home than in preparing to live eternally with Christ. And so in these moments of worship, I want to encourage you to move toward the Lord in whatever area you sense the Holy Spirit calling to you. And if you have never, if you're sitting here saying, I have never I've never even invited, I've never had relationship with the Lord. That's very simple to remedy. It's just an acknowledgement that Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, God himself came and took the punishment for my sin. He paid the price that my sin cost so that I don't have to in judgment. 
and you invite him into your life to be Lord of it, to be the one in charge of it, which is a joyful place. It's just a simple prayer of invitation to the Lord that you make. And so this morning, I'm going to ask the team just to begin to worship, and I encourage you just to begin to move either there in your seat, in your heart, or if you need to move to the altar. Sometimes, I think especially when we're answering a call to awaken, I think sometimes a physical movement is a good thing to do because it shakes you out of that apathetic place that you're in, right? Sometimes even just getting out of my house, moving outside, shakes apathy off of me. And so if that's an area that you feel Holy Spirit moving in, I would encourage you, specifically in that area, to begin to move toward the altar as a symbol of moving out of this place of dormancy and into living an awakened, alert life with Christ. And so, Father, this morning, we just say, here we are, your sons and your daughters. In this time of feasts, we recognize that it is your, it is, it's your call it's your call for us to answer. And we want to honor that call. And we want to give ourselves to answering that call today. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to begin to just show us. As we say, yes, we engage in days of awe. We're saying, yes, Lord, reveal inside of us where things need to be shifted, where things need to be made right, where priorities need to shift. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and to do that now. In Jesus' name.